what am I doing with my life with Brittany? <laughs> Welcome to Five to Life, a PhD and beyond. Today we're continuing our segment on what to do with your PhD, and we have Dr. Charlie Pimble. He is an East Coast accountant manager from Rogaku and a fellow alumni from Wake Forest. Today we're going to talk to him about how he got to where he is. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Charlie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> hey guys, it's Angelica. I'm here also. Um, so I guess the first question I had for you today is um, really if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about um, your career path and um, how you got from your PhD to where you are now. Sure. So um, as you stated, I got my PhD from Wake Forest uh, in the Department of Biochemistry under the direction of Todd Lowther. Graduated in 2008 and leading up to that, you know, I was kind of unsure whether I wanted to go down a academic path or whether to go into industry, which sounded attractive given uh, some of the consortium meetings that we had with GSK down the road in the RTP rally area. And so, you know, got to know those guys over in the structural biology department at GSK. And it seemed, you know, like a, a neat career path to take. But all that said, uh, I, I felt like a postdoc was going to be a good stepping stone to figure that out, sort of test the waters of whether or not I want to be a professor or, uh, or go into industry somehow. And so was a postdoc at St. Jude for about two years in Memphis. And then so I realized, you know, I kind of wanted to move on to, to something else. I started looking at other opportunities that were actually still within the academic realm. And so I found an opportunity at Duke University which was a x-ray facility manager that would allow uh, and supply crystallography to the community across Duke's campus. Uh, in addition to that, part of my time was bought by the Human Vaccine Institute at Duke to investigate um, HIV and, and other uh, emerging diseases uh, through structural biology. So I, I viewed that as a, another stepping stone to sort of uh, guide my career path. It allowed me to uh, dive into diverse projects, um, which is something that is sort of uh, ingrained in myself, having started at uh, University of Florida with plant biotechnology research, uh, then making the leap to medical science uh, research. It was kind of fun, very fun to, to train and teach people, which I enjoyed that aspect of it, but also diving into such different projects uh, there. And then, you know, I, I, uh, there, there were some other events that we can talk about, Duke, but you know, you sort of reach a point in, in a particular career stepping stone, as I like to call it, that you sort of figure out, well, what else is out there for me to, to do? What, what am I interested in? What could I do? Uh, and at that time, it just so happened that another fellow alumni of Wake Forest, Mike Murray, he and I were in the same lab with Todd, was the current sales guy for, for Rogaku. And he was indicating to me that he was going to be leaving and joining a company up in uh, Boston. Uh, and so that if I had interest in a sales role, you know, potentially le reach out to, uh, to those at Ragaku. So I did. Uh, and, that, and it panned out and kind of have been working there ever since. Do you miss the research aspect? I guess now that you're more in sales, you don't necessarily do bench work. Yeah, the, great question. Yes. The an short answer is yes. Yeah. You know, I think once a scientist, always a scientist. And, you know, f finding out the 
you know, in my particular niche, the structure for the first time and being able to be the one to analyze it and understand it and how it functions, how it might relate to drug design or, or, or whatever, a disease state uh, is, is really fascinating to me. And that sort of interest will never leave me. But that being said, I love being able to learn new things and diving into a sales role has really taught me uh, a huge amount in terms of, of working in industry, uh, the sales process, sort of the business acumen, if you will, that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But there are opportunities for me to still do science. And the way that works is when I'm at a conference, for example, and I visit the poster session, or I have students come up to the booth that ask questions, just as you guys are right now, I still get to dive into their science, listen to their, their speech or, or talk, if they're giving a talk at a conference, and then go up to them and ask them questions. Maybe I have some insight that I can give them from my past experiences. And then we, we start exchanging ideas about science in general, which is fun. Um, I also had an opportunity more recently where a, a friend of mine, I'll call him that, he's a customer too, but I had sold him a system at Ariad pharma company who now Ariad was bought by uh, another company. Uh, unfortunately, that generally causes layoffs. So he found a position at a company called Xchem. That company was interested in starting up some crystallography. And uh, so he reached out about what systems would be in the area that he could go use. And I said, well, why don't you just send your sample down to Ragaku? We can sign an NDA and you know not disclose the, the structure and what have you. And we can just collect it down there. And so we did. And it, it turned out that um, it, it was a difficult structure to solve. Uh, there were some nuances behind the data that our application scientist was, was having a bit of trouble. So I asked him to send me the reflection file. And so I, I stayed up to about 2 a.m. working on that, figured out what the issue was to be able to solve the structure. And as soon as I did, there was beautiful maps, is what we call them, uh, to be able to identify where the drug was bound. It was easily able to model it in, refine it, and send it on to the, send it on to the customer uh, as a result. And uh, what he ended up doing was inviting me to come up to present the structure. Uh, so, you know, yes, I still get to dabble in those opportunities like that are rare, but I still get to dabble in, in the science and, and feel satisfied that way. I don't miss structure, <laughs> but it is very cool. Um, so what is your day-to-day -day, uh, life like then if you're not doing bench work? Yeah, so the the day-to-day -day, uh, life of, of a salesperson at Ragaku is, you know, essentially if you're not traveling, let's say, you're working from home, you're trying to build, you know, the, the business development, so by doing so, you're, you're interacting either via email or phone call with current or potential or prospecting type, type customers trying to figure out where you can go next. So a lot of your time is spent to understanding, you know, within your territory, who you're going to go see next, who has, you know, maybe a higher priority or need uh, because they need to spend, say, money faster than others. Or, or there's more issues behind maybe the infrastructure of where the system needs to go. Uh, but when you, when you start to travel, uh, which we make up our own schedule, then you're looking at you know, who else in the area can you, can you go visit and create a relationship with. You know, for no other reason, talk science. But you know, the ultimate goal too is to you're visiting 
those core departments that do use x-ray based equipment for structure solution whether it be small molecule in chemistry or you know protein macromolecular over in biochem or what have you to go visit these people and see you know what opportunities might be there for you to sell a system and and sell them on the value that a rogaku system would bring uh, in-house if they had one do we have one here Yes, you do. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know if it was one of yours or something yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, so that's a Rogaku system that both Todd Lowther and Tom Hollis uh, have maintained for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they've been really successful at uh, building the usage of that system, uh, not only within Wake Forest, but uh, external community as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Jamie Wallen over at Western Carolina comes over periodically to, to utilize that system as well. And it's a system that they had, uh, Rogaku uh, system had for a while at Wake Forest. Even when we were grad students, we had two Rogaku systems at that time. Wow. So yeah, they've been a, a Rogaku customer for, for a long time. How do you, so they're, they're huge. So yeah. how do you, you know, travel? Do you bring it with you or like, how do you show off your instrument? Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, we don't travel with it at all. So if we show, <laughs> if we're going to show it off, we're going to, uh, I mean, there's two ways to do that. One is a unattended demo. So somebody who maybe doesn't have the time to come down and see the system themselves and run the experiment with our app scientist, they would send their samples uh, paid for by us uh, down to our Houston lab and we would run it and then provide them with a full report back and schedule up a call to discuss the report uh, so they can understand all the details uh, or ask if any questions. The other way is that we have an on-site demo. So we would schedule that with everyone in Houston, mainly our our application scientists, and then fly them down and have them stay for maybe a day and a half, depending upon what experiments or equipment they're looking at, could be up to maybe two, three days. And then um, basically they're running experiments nonstop. Uh, They also uh, see a tour of the 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 company they get to meet with our service people our install coordinator so we can start hashing out a lot of uh, a lot of their questions and concerns and then we we send them on their on their merry way back so that that's how we kind of demo our our instrumentation otherwise you know we're we're either talking giving a presentation so they're seeing the system in slides and are able to interact uh, directly uh, with us the salesperson uh, and ask questions about the system but if they actually want to see it you know we can't travel with it yeah. <laughs> so i had a question about um, your postdoc experience and yeah. i think one of the things in the phd and in grad school is we're not making very much money or if any money um, throughout this period of time so you know that's an important thing to factor in and whether or not you're going to jump into your career or actually do a postdoc and so i was wondering for a career like this, did you feel like the postdoc was necessary or if, if so, you know, would it be um, priority to do an academic or more like an industry postdoc? Um, what would be the most beneficial uh, moving on from the PhD? I mean, really good question. Uh, there's loads of ways to, to answer that. You know, I think maybe, maybe I'm overstepping, but I, I think that, you know, there's probably not as many uh, industrial postdocs available. So they're, they're going to be highly competitive. And that's not to say that everyone can compete. Of course they can, but there's going to be more academic postdocs available to you. So, you know, if you, if you are of the mindset, I know I want to do industry, I'm going to do this, then I would certainly seek that out. But it may be to your benefit uh, out of your 
PhD to to just go ahead and try to start applying for regular positions, you know, a, a scientist level one type position as opposed to doing a postdoc in, in, in industry. And, and the reason why I say that is it seems like those that do a postdoc in industry don't end up staying at that same company in that you know, they, they sort of say, you know, thank you for doing a postdoc, you know, go get a job somewhere else kind of thing. Um, and, and there's there's benefits to doing that. You know, you're you're now expanding uh, your breadth of knowledge by going somewhere else, as opposed to them keeping you on. But you know, if you're really good and perform and outshine, perhaps they would keep you on. But I think, uh, for example, Genentech, I believe, is one of those that uh, typically, if you do a postdoc there or a industrial postdoc, then you're sort of uh, boot is not the right word, but you know, you're you're sent on your way to advance your career elsewhere. So it might make more sense that if you're devoted to industry, just go ahead and start from the ground up with the scientist one or whatever they call it in industry, as opposed to a, an academic postdoc. You know, that's obviously a, a path that you have to take if you want to be faculty somewhere and, and have your own research lab, whether it be at a primary undergrad institution or an R1 that's doing major research like a Duke, Duke University or something or Wake Forest. But... You know, it's also the way I view it is a stepping stone. It's it's something that allows you to explore uh, for a little bit more time. Now that you've got all this expertise from your PhD, explore a little bit uh, more in depth of which direction you want to go. So if you're sort of on that fence, then I would highly recommend a postdoc, perhaps in something that's unrelated. So I would almost say that it's your last chance to jump out of your comfort zone of what you just learned in your PhD, like what your specialization is, I mean. So maybe you learned a technique like crystallography. Uh, now, maybe what you should do is go do a postdoc in something very different, but, but interesting to you, and sort of gain that breadth of knowledge while you're deciding, do I wanna do industry or post or uh, academia? Uh, and now you've got loads of experience in two diverse um, areas of research that's going to carry you forward uh, through through industry. Um, and so I guess in that same kind of vein, um, what skills do you feel like you have developed or would be important for your job that your PhD or postdoc didn't prepare you for? I think I put this in the questionnaire, sales. I mean, <laughs> the, the, of course, in your PhD, nobody's going to teach you about sales. So I, I guess there's, you know, obviously courses you could take or your company is going to help train you and teach you. I was sort of with Ragaku, sort of thrown to the wolves, and and that's okay too. You know that that's a tactic of, you know, feast or famine, go learn it or else. Uh, and so you sort of learn these these things of, you go in, see somebody, you try something, and step back and like, ooh, that, that didn't work so well. I think I need to you know, re- rethink my approach here. And so sort of just being boots on the ground and and figuring it out works out well, but. What the PhD does supply, at least in, in my field of sales, is the direct scientific relationship. So I know exactly uh, how to communicate with the scientist and, and back and forth on the science first. Uh, and then we can get to you know the, the, the sales process of trying to influence them, the value that Rogaku brings over our competitors. They only hire PhDs, correct, for your position? No, not necessarily, oh, okay. um, but uh, it, definitely science-related field. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had, or maybe still have, over in Europe, 
a sales guy that was non non PhD. Okay. Um, we went through some restructuring recently, so I'm not sure if, if he's still with the company over in Europe, but he was non non PhD. Masters or believe I mean I I'm not certain, but I believe it was just a bachelor's. Oh, okay. I think. But I, I'm not entirely sure on that. But no, our VP of sales, my direct boss, does not have a PhD. Again, another one where I can't recall if he has a master's or, or bachelor's, but I'm pretty sure it was just a bachelor's out of LSU uh, and then went on to uh, uh, take a, a sales role with a completely different company unrelated to what Rogaku sells. Uh, and then you know, over the course of his career path, ended up with Rogaku and has been there for a long time now. Um, and he's VP of sales. Uh, so, no, it's absolutely not required. I think that they sort of made the decision uh, a number of years ago to put a Ph.D. Or, or some science level person in the sales field so that we can communicate and understand uh, what's what's going on with the, the end customer. So you said you make your own schedule uh, where you are now, and I know you have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is your work-life balance? Yeah, that's another great question. So I guess maybe a step back from that question would be when I made the decision to join Rogaku, first and foremost, it was a conversation with my wife, uh, making sure that you know it was understood uh, that we were making this together, uh, knowing that my travel schedule was going to go from zero to 70% of the time. Um, and that meant, you know, being gone from my son uh, and and now have a, a little girl who's a year and a half. So, you know, the saga continues of, of being gone, um, traveling heavily. But we did that together. And so uh, she has been, you know, a rock and, and fully on board uh, with, with that idea of me uh, traveling as much as I do. And, you know, the kids, I think, Caden, my oldest, who's nine, will be 10 next month. He may have noticed a little bit of a transition when I first joined, you know, like, Daddy, I wish you didn't have to go. But the trick, I think, there is when you're home, you're home. You, you leave everything else, you know, aside, and uh, you, you immediately dive into playing. What do you want to do? Let's play a board game. Let's go outside, throw the football. And, you know, there's no time to sit down in the chair and relax. You just go <laughs> – I don't know if I can say balls to the wall. Uh, you can cut that out. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're 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 now on your own time with them, and so uh, leave work to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you know my littlest one, Berkeley, year and a half old. Uh, you know, she's obviously going to grow up with me being at Rogaku and in this uh, travel role. So uh, she'll already probably be used to it. She won't notice anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Caden was a little different. As you advance in your career, do you travel less or more? Uh, probably some, um, especially you know depending upon what company you're talking about. If you're talking about Rogaku, uh, yeah, um, but your length of travel might actually increase. Meaning, you know, I, I'm traveling around in my defined territory within North America on the eastern side, uh, whereas somebody higher than me, you know, VP or higher, uh, are, are going to be traveling to Poland. Japan, maybe even Germany, you know, various sites that Rogaku is, you know, the mothership of, of Rogaku headquarters is Tokyo. Um, so, you know, they're, they're traveling further than, than I have to. Uh, so they're going to be gone, you know, for maybe weeks at a time, potentially. 
But, you know, overall, yeah, it's probably less if, as you move up. Is travel optional? Are there, is there some kind of flexibility towards what regions or how often you're traveling? Yeah, there, it's definitely flexible because it's uh, solely up to you. And so by making your own schedule, you're, you're identifying what's priority in terms of a, a region that you need to attend to by a personal visit versus a region that you might just be able to handle via email and phone calls. And so when, you know, certain priority situations come up or just even routine, routine, it doesn't have to be priority. It's just that you need to go check in on people and see how they're doing, especially existing customers. Um, you know, like stopping by and seeing Tom and Todd here at Wake Forest, see how they're doing. How do they like their new, new upgrades that they got uh, a year ago or so? So, um, yeah, making your own schedule, you can kind of decide which, which regions you're, you're going to, but obviously you're going to target uh, which ones are, are highest priority to, to go see. Uh, and, of course, minimizing expense, you know, for the company. And a lot you can do from, from your house. Is there any stigma for leaving the bench or maybe being called a sellout for leaving academia? Uh, I, <clears throat> I know exactly what you mean because having done a similar or, or attended, I should say, having attended a similar type uh, program at St. Jude that you guys are running here right now at Wake Forest, uh, although it's week long, that that was always the question and, and worry from those that want to go outside the academic bubble or the those quote-unquote typical path that there was going to be a stigma or, or what have you. And to take that even a step further, <clears throat> with, a, with a salesperson, you have to be very, very comfortable with saying, I'm the sales guy, you know, not I'm Dr. So-and-so and was involved in blah-blah-blah research, you know. Yes, you're always a scientist. Uh, you've got that PhD behind your name for life. Um, so you're a scientist first, but you have to be very, very comfortable with saying, I'm a sales guy first. Mm -hmm. And that's who your customers are going to see you as. You're the sales guy contacting them to ultimately negotiate a, a sale. Um, and quite often, you know, a PhD person could struggle with that. That's probably something that you know, you should consider in your career path if you're trying to choose sales or, or not. If you're not comfortable with that, I wouldn't do it. Did you get any backlash from your PI? Not at all. Um, so for me, I haven't seen any stigma out there. Uh, I don't feel like I've ever been looked uh, down on or, mm -hmm. or uh, shunned for choosing uh, this particular career path instead of some life at the bench. So I don't know if others have, but I, I certainly have not. That's good to hear. I like that we're doing this series and there's all these different careers. And every time we're still like, wow, that seems like an outside idea. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're already like this deep in the season. We'll still, <laughs> still, still, you know, you guys have this like idea. It's a culture, yeah, yeah that we're in and... I mean, obviously, I would expect that if we're feeling it and, you know, we've had experience from multiple institutions that it is, you know, a common <laughs> concept, at least <laughs> in our. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from from my PIs here and those that were at St. Jude, no stigma at all. That said, you know, I, I, I have colleagues and friends of mine that 
have had the opposite experience, you know, where they are really being pushed uh, towards, you know, a life in academia as a reflection on um, that particular PI. But, you know, at some point you have to do what's right for you uh, and feel comfortable with that. I think your, your PI or your advisor is going to follow suit eventually. Maybe it's not in the <laughs> moment, but eventually they will. They'll get over it. Yeah. I think uh, Angelica has a good question here too. Um, so if you're looking for a similar position or if there's a prospective PhD student or recent graduate or recent postdoc, um, what have you, looking for a similar position, um, how would you rank the importance of publication record versus networking versus previous work experience and I guess in this point sales related um, or more lab uh, related? Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, I'm trying to think back to, you know, for example, my interview with, with Rigaku. I, I certainly tried to tout my publication record at the time and certainly tried to uh, articulate my responsibilities at Duke with respect to the, the x-ray facility and how, you know, myself trying to build the user base at the x-ray facility is is related to a, a sales side. You know, you're trying to build that business since we were a, a fee-for-service uh, outfit there at Duke. So tried to tailor it that way, but, you know, certainly publication record, the the, the impact factor of them doesn't matter as much, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, having them and of course having a high impact does uh, show your productivity and your um, uh, commitment to uh, pursuing uh, research endeavors. Uh, so it, it's still important, but I would say, you know, maybe get involved with uh, some other aspects outside of of uh, just just the science, you know, like what, podcasting, like like podcasting. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's a great start, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> or at at Duke, I mean, because it really does it. It teaches you the the personal interactions that it definitely takes for for sales. So it, you know, you, you said it as a joke, but it, it really isn't. I think it anything that you do beyond just the bench and and sort of the grind is going to benefit you. Duke, I talked about this earlier in the class, but uh, took a or audited a class that was with the business school um, that was called uh, Invention to Technology or Invention to Application. And so it took real life uh, inventions, innovations from Duke professors that were trying to utilize the Office of Licensing and Venture to form a company based off of these new discoveries. And so we, as a class, were divided into groups uh, with specific expertise, usually two PhDs, some sort of lawyer that's in in school there, uh, and a marketing person that's in school there in the business school. And as a team, your goal is to analyze a portfolio of these technologies and decide over the course of of the class, using their direction, how to pick which is the best technology to move forward with as a company and write a white paper uh, about that company. You know, how would you form and execute uh, this company? Uh, what would your exit strategy be? Um, those sorts of things. And that, that was, you know, a really enlightening course 
uh, that sort of uh, got me thinking about uh, the business side of stuff, which you know, sales quite often is a stepping stone to moving closer to the executive level of, say, a pharma or biotech company, which is attractive to me. Kind of forgot what the question was. No, yeah, you answered it. <laughs> um, I guess to wrap it up here, uh, we want to know if you're happy uh, at your current job. I mean, it seems like it since you've been there for quite a while. So what are your favorite and least favorite aspects of it? Sure. Um, yes, I, I love working at Ragaku. I think that uh, we have the best equipment out there. Um, I've used both Ragaku my entire career, uh, and I've used some of our competitors. Uh, and so I can say with confidence that, that I love our equipment. And I think that uh, researchers that, that need this type of analytical instrumentation will highly benefit from this this equipment and so that makes the job easier when you believe in it uh, then it it makes your job pretty dang easy Um, with the exception of needing to convince the uh, you know the the end user the customer Um, so I I love working at Ragaku I see myself working there for you know as long as I possibly can do I want to move up absolutely Uh, so hopefully uh, there'd be some opportunities within Ragaku if not, I'm not opposed to, to looking around, but certainly um, I'm not doing so currently. I, I love I love the role. I love the position. Some of the uh, obvious perk would be money. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a it's a lot more than you would make in in academia, and you know the the nice perk about sales is you know you, you make as much as you put effort into. You know, do you want to raise? Sell more. You know, so it's sort of on your shoulders to make as you possibly make as much as you possibly can in you know a year's time. Uh, so it's taxable salary. Worst thing, I would say time away from family. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly sort of come back full circle to that particular question about travel. You know, there there are certain things that uh, I can utilize FaceTime for, which is a great invention, but it's nothing like being there real time to be able to put your arms around your kids. Do they have like, bring your kid to work day? Uh, I wish, that'd be cool. <laughs> I mean, that actually that's a good point because um, it wasn't too long ago that I was making a work trip to Manhattan and what we decided to do was, I was there most of the week and so then on Friday, uh, my wife and kid, Berkeley wasn't born yet, so my wife and kid flew up and then we spent the weekend there and then flew home on late Sunday. Oh, um, so we plan on doing that more and more as Berkeley gets older. Uh, and then, you know, they can see Boston and various places, DC. They need to get a passport. We can go to Montreal, you know, things like that. So that's a perk. Another perk is, you know, with all the travel, the flights, the hotels, the car rentals, uh, all that, uh, Ragaku allows you to earn the points with your own name. Nice. So, you know, I earn points with IHG uh, hotels, so our vacations are usually free for hotels. Uh, flights are usually paid for for free on Sky Miles earned. Uh, and then we can usually have a rental car for the week for free uh, because of points with that. I guess it was a year, two years ago that we uh, went to Disney World, took my son. Again, Berkeley wasn't born, uh, and we went basically for free except for the the park passes. We had to pay for that and food. Nice, man. Disney doesn't do cryo em these days. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, should. 
<laughs> you do x-ray crystallography at Space they Mountain? do. <laughs> They're trying to find out what's so magical about it. It's uh, Epcot because that's where the beer is. Thank you so much for joining us today, Charlie. If you want to contact us, we have a Twitter account, 5 to Life Pod, and we have an email at 5 to Life Pod at Gmail. Dot com and our website is also 5tolifepod.com, all with the letter 5, letter number 5, because it's Friday. And <laughs> <laughs> you can always call us and ask us questions at 336-701-2445. Cheers, here's 5 to Life. Mm-hmm.